This is the View from the Couch podcast, and I'm your host, Pierce Wiesenar. And today's episode, we are taking a look at the latest film from the MCU. It's the third Captain America film. It's Captain America Civil War. But before we take a look at Civil War, we got to take a look at another war, and it's the battle for the ultimate cinematic universe. Dun, 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 dun. It's between all these different studios, Fox, you got Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, and Disney. First up, it's Fox. Now, they've got the X-Men franchise. They've got Deadpool as well. And X-Men, let's be honest, they've got a couple of mixed results. Some pretty pretty good, some pretty decent films in there, but also you've got X-Men 3, The Last Stand. And for me, Days of Future Past. I didn't like Days of Future Past. A lot of people did. So, maybe I'm the odd man out. But for X-Men, they've got mixed results at best. And their franchise is the old Hugh Jackman one, and this new trilogy with Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence leading it, they've been sidetracked by their big stars. Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry kind of, they got famous. And when you're famous and you're a big star, a lot of people want to see these big stars. And when you're in a franchise, you kind of have to shine a light and give some screen. If you look back and if you watch all the old X-Men films, it's kind of just the Wolverine show over and over and over again. It's all Wolverine all the time. Now, that's kind of fun if it's an all-Wolverine, all-the-time solo film, which he ended up getting two of, his last one coming up, I think, in 2017 or 2018. But when it's the overall X-Men show, it kind of is frustrating and disappointing to see just one guy being used for in representing pretty much an entire team, an entire universe. And that's kind of disappointing as well. And in the new one, Jennifer Lawrence, she's talented. She's great. She is actually, you know, Oscar award winning. She knows what she's doing. But she kind of got famous at the wrong time for this franchise. Her Katniss Everdeen, which was amazing, does make it a little difficult when her character kind of sidetracks everything and forces her way into becoming the the big star and gets a lot of screen time that if you are a fan of the comics or if you just want to see other people kind of do other things, kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder, why is Mystique just happening to be everywhere? And then you say, oh, wow, it's Jennifer Lawrence in her star power kind of necessitates, necessitates, that's the word, um, makes it necessary for her to be everywhere. And that's kind of disappointing as well. But they've got Deadpool. It's in its infancy, but it's already breaking some records with VOD sales and on-demand sales, VOD on-demand, on-demand sales, iTunes sales. Everyone wants more of Deadpool, and that's a good thing. So it's a little early to tell how big and how awesome Deadpool can get. But hopefully Fox might take this in a little bit of a different direction than the X-Men. But I'm sure X-Men and Deadpool are eventually going to cross over sooner rather than later. But for Fox, they also had Fantastic Four. And that was a colossal disaster. Just the less about that said, the better. And with Warner Brothers, they've got DC. Talk about the less said about it, the more, the more you know, it's unbelievable. DC, how do you screw up DC? Well, you make Batman v Superman. It flopped and as well as Man vs. Steel before that. Batman v Superman, when you come out in the theaters, what happens is you make most of your money in the first three weeks that you're that you're out. Now, obviously, you're going to make the most money the first weekend. That's why first weekend box office numbers are such a big deal. And when you have a 70% decline in box office revenue from the first week to the second week, it kind of tells you all you need to know about how lukewarm at best the general audiences are for the product you're giving out and man of steel was tepid response some people really liked it 
other people were kind of bored and frustrated by the big banging epic grand punch him up finale between Zod and the the title character the Man of Steel and while you did have some really interesting character growth and some really interesting moments when it comes to storytelling and performances mainly by Kevin Costner as well it felt like we never really got to know who Superman really was we had to do a lot of good investigation with other characters but I feel like I never really got to know what Superman is all about and in Man of, Man of Steel sorry and and when in Batman v Superman it really shows how they really don't have a grasp on Superman how he's the biggest dude out there and they really don't know what to do with him when he has I think it was reported he's got 48 lines or less than 50 lines in a movie that he shares the name of that's unbelievable that is unbelievable how the biggest dude in comics doesn't even get enough lines he gets has like 10 minutes of screen time in in, in his own movie he gets totally sidelined by Batman and Batman's the biggest dude in movie in comic book movies and so it would make sense for him to get a lot of screen time but when it's Batman v Superman it really just ended up being Batman and a little bit of Superman and that's very disappointing and talk about disappointment you have the Flash director leaving a couple of days before last uh, a couple of days before Civil War comes out and for DC and Warner Brothers all you want is good news you don't want to have a director leaving due to creative differences and then the Aquaman director he almost left as well but kind of save the day by putting out a good tweet, trying to put out that fire, saying that, no, he's still attached to the product, he still likes Aquaman, still trying to get this film out. But for having a director almost leaving, a director leaving, and having Batman and Superman flopping as well, all of their eggs when it comes to goodwill is going to be put in the basket. That is Suicide Squad coming out in August. But even with Suicide Squad coming out in August, it was it was a well-known fact that a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and they had to do reshoots to try to, in a, in a response to the general audiences loving their queen cut trailer to Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of people are saying they were doing reshoots because they wanted to add some funny bits to the film because all of the comedy bits in the trailer are all of the comedy bits in the film. And it's never really a good sign to be doing massive reshoots when the movie's coming out in a handful of months. But maybe they're doing reshoots for some other stuff. Maybe it's all just a Twitter rumor. But reshoots this so this late in the game for such a big monetary investment. If you're going to try to save a film, spend as much cash as you possibly can. It looks like Warner Brothers, they really do care about the product. They're doing the best that they can when it comes to trying to make this something that they that fits their creative vision as well as trying to give something that the audience wants. But they have a lot of work to do to try to gain back the trust of the public. And some of that is going to be done by the Batman solo film, directed, written, produced, starring Ben Affleck, as well as Batfleck becoming an executive producer for the Justice League film. So for Warner Brothers in DC, what ended up being one step forward for them with just putting out another film ended up being like, not two steps back, like a, a two miles in going backwards for Batman v Superman. The film just made no sense. I did an episode podcast about it. If you want to listen to that, go go right on ahead. But moving on down the line, we've got Universal. They've got their own cinematic universe. Yes, Universal. A lot of people don't know about this. Surprisingly, it's their classic monsters universe. This is something I want to see. Got Dracula, the mummy, the wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Bride of Frankenstein, and the Invisible Man. 
and they already had one film come out, but no one remembers it. It's Dracula Untold. Luke Evans was in it. No one remembers it. No one saw it. Apparently, it wasn't very good. I didn't see it. But they've got The Mummy up next. It's got Tom Cruise. It's got Russell Crowe. Details are a little scarce about this entire universe, about what they're trying to do with it. But they've got classic characters. Do it like a modern retelling, how they're all going to link up. Maybe and have a super monsters team. I have no idea what they're doing with this, but I'm excited because it's something different and something new. More movies, why not? I'm a fan, but we have to really wait more before we can make any real judgment about this classic monsters universe. Up next, it's Sony, and well, they had Spider Man. Now Spider Man's back at Marvel. So, what details about that deal are done or have been revealed? None. But what they still have left, did they give all of their Spider-Man rights back to Marvel? Do they still have rights for that Venom movie they've been trying to make for seemingly ever? For about a decade, it feels like. We're not too sure, but they had Spider-Man. They had plans for Spider-Man universe. Watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2, or don't, because that's not a fun time. But all throughout The Amazing Spider-Man 2, there hints at a Sinister Six movie, which was going to come out, which was going to be their first step in creating a full Spider-Man cinematic universe, but it never worked out because The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was garbage, so you have all these hints and nods and winks and trying to create something that will never happen, which is kind of disappointing, but also thankfully disappointing in that it will never happen because Sinister Six is awesome, but not in the hands of Sony. So maybe with Spider-Man Homecoming, it'll be interesting to see what kind of villain they choose because with so many, with you got now five Spider-Man movies, and you've got more than five villains that they've used, and some pretty good ones. A lot of rumors are saying that they're going to have Vulture for Spider-Man Homecoming. So hopefully that's cool because it's a new, different villain that we haven't seen before. But eventually they're going to have to circle back and give us a villain that they have done before. But hopefully, like with this new Spider-Man character, who we will talk about briefly uh, in a second, do it in a new and unique and engaging way that we haven't seen before. So Sony had their chance and they blew it. And Disney, they've got Marvel. And Slow and Steady really wins the race here on this one. They haven't, they've just consistently put out movies that are unique and they fit within their overall style, within their overall vision, within their overall tone. They haven't sacrificed or really made compromises for anybody. They've just done the best thing that they know how to do, which is just make some pretty decent, pretty fun, pretty good movies. And when everyone says that the end is nigh for the comic book film genre, Civil War is released, and it's like manna from heaven for the fanboys. It's another nail in the coffins of the previously mentioned studios trying to rival Disney and Marvel with the with the genre that they currently own. And you're not wrong in saying that the comic book film genre, the days are numbered. The end is nigh. However, it's for the other comic book properties not owned by Disney. After Civil War, you really have to feel for Fox and for the X-Men Apocalypse film coming out later this summer. The bar has been raised in such a way that pretty much no matter what they do, no matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, you can already hear people walking out of, walking out of the theaters saying, well, you know, it was good. It, it just wasn't Civil War good. In Civil War, it works as a standalone film, and it works as well as a continuation of the stories that have been told in the Captain America films beforehand, as well as the Iron Man trilogy and a little bit of Age of Ultron for Iron Man as well. But going into the film, there's only really one place to start. 
and that's for the Spider-Man introduction now. That's a character that's got a lot of baggage. We've got the Tobey Maguire, we've got the Peter Parker done by Andrew Garfield, and now we've got the Tom Holland Peter Parker as well. Now, it was really great to hear Tobey Maguire came out and say, Tom Holland's Spider-Man was awesome. I'm a big fan, because in the eyes of pretty much everybody, he is Peter Parker. He's the original Spider-Man, the OG friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But for a character with so much baggage, how do you introduce someone that in the audiences we all know, but how do you introduce him in a way that doesn't feel really stupid and stunted and forced and cheaped within the MCU? Because we all know him, but the characters on screen kind of don't really all know him. And it was kind of funny that uh, Tony Stark just uses YouTube, gets some cool YouTube clips, and it's like, oh, here you go. So that was kind of interesting, kind of funny. And also, speaking of funny it was peter parker his character i mean he, it was amazing i'm not a i'm not a comic book guy but it definitely fits within the tone of what you think of what everyone has said of the peter parker and the spider-man within the comics it's new it's a lot younger with totally fits with what they're trying to do spider-man homecoming a wink and a nod to homecoming in high school but also homecoming and that spider-man's coming back home to marvel but they're trying to get this john hughes like vibe that's the one thing they've said over and over and over again for the Homecoming film coming out in 2017. But it's someone that we all wanted to see. It's someone that we all wanted to hopefully see in the movie, but ended up really seeing in the trailer. No surprise there. They kind of had to have a trailer with Spider-Man, but I would have been content content with him being revealed strictly in the film. But whatever, I, you know, I don't really care. I'm just happy that he's there. But did he really have to be in the movie? It was nice, but it didn't really add anything, but also didn't take anything away from the film, which is crucial in, in that regard. It was a nice, fun introduction, a night, kind of like Quicksilver in Days of Future Past. Had a nice couple of scenes in there, showed him action, gave him a movie, gave him, gave him time to set up him in other movies as well. So, and a couple of just nice introducing this character is pretty key to things going forward for Marvel. So, his, he was hilarious. His action stuff was great as well. I'm excited for Spider-Man Homecoming coming out in July next year. Another key character that was introduced was Black Panther. Now, this, in my opinion, was the type of introduction that I expected Batfleck to have in Batman v Superman. He's a key part to the film, but someone that doesn't take over the entire story. He's introduced in a way, and he has his own character arc, and you can see everything that the character is trying to do does and a nice little potential setup for things later on down the line he's introduced as a prince and he walks away at the end of the movie as a king and the search for revenge and trying to avenge his father's death and the film totally ends with him going a complete 180 in that he's was on the hunt to try to kill the winter soldier and now he's housing and helping out Cap and Bucky at the end of the film in their little post-credit sequence as well. Now, the film does enough to give an overall picture of kind of who T'Challa is. He's a little hot-headed, but he's got some cold blood within there as well. And so you know who he is as a person. We know who he is as Black Panther. We get to see a little bit of the Black Panther suit. You get to see him as an action. So it was a nice introduction that leaves us wanting more for his own solo film and like spider-man his introduction isn't cheap it isn't forced it doesn't stun the overall story that the film's trying to tell as black panther is kind of you could you could argue the right hand man for iron man in this film on team iron man now the film found a way to overcome the problems that plagued age of ultron in this department now you're introducing things in a way that doesn't feel cheap 
you're setting up things for future films that doesn't cost the overall story of this film and that was something that for Civil War now while it is a and obviously it is a Captain America film it's kind of like Avengers 2.5 as well because there are certainly things within this film that are things that cost or the things that have affect the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe as well and the final introduction of the new character was Captain Zemo. Well, in the characters, he's Cap. In the comics, he's Captain Zemo, but here he's just Helmet Zemo, and that was awesome. He kind of is a new villain, and he's a new villain that isn't like the old villains. The legacy of Marvel's past villains have all been, aside from Loki, have all been absolutely terrible. They all die. They're all the same. They all want power. They all want to take over the world for the same reason that power is fun and taking over the world is what you do when you have so many of these powers or you have a really cool suit and that's really frustrating it's old after 12 13 films you just want to have a villain that does something new something different that is a villain that of who has a character and a plan and a motivation it's something we've never seen before and his was radically new radically different and was exactly what the film needed it really helped ground the film in the emotional stakes that the film was trying to really show with Sokovia as well as with Tony Stark's parents and their death. So his plan was awesome, outsmarted everybody. He never really fought anybody. His plan was just outsmarting everybody. And his motivation was absolutely real and genuine as well with him trying to make the Avengers accountable for the death of his family and make sure that they don't really get away with it, which was something that was nice as well and he was put in jail for later use kind of like Blofeld Inspector so hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him down the line because so many other Marvel villains aside from Loki they've all been killed if I remember correctly I think they're all dead so it helps they when we have the expectation of oh every character who's a villain is going to die so it doesn't really matter he's going to be a cheap you know use him once and then throw him out in the trash it was nice to see this villain potentially be saved it was saved and potentially used for a later use because he's a cool villain he's got some really cool plot things that you can do with him as well and the legwork done by age of ultron the work that broke chas Whedon and, and pretty much helped ruin the film in some aspects it's really finished here with sokovia being the metropolis of the mcu metropolis being the huge destruction that was mined for later use in batman v superman Sokovia and the huge destruction of Sokovia has been mined for later use in Civil War. So I'm interested to see if they're going to use that in, a, in future films or that was just set up in Age of Ultron and finally used to its completion in Civil War. And the character development for Stark and the other characters as well was key in this film because you've had so many other films and so many characters and they all have had, all have changed over the course of the film, especially Tony Stark, how he's someone that says, "Screw the government, I got this." And then in a, and then in, in um, Age of Ultron, you see him try to do everything on his own, totally blows up in his face, and it makes sense for him to try to put faith in a broken system because his hands obviously can't can't keep the world safe. And then for Chris Evans, he's the shining star of the MCU, a real conclusion to the Captain America trilogy starts out as a literal propaganda tool and he ends the film as a fugitive in hiding against the government that total shift in 
everything for the character, changing who he is, changing his beliefs, because he's a man out of time in a new world. So that's really interesting and a lot of fun to see. But the fight scenes and the action choreography built upon the quality that we that we saw in The Winter Soldier and exceeded the lofty expectations of everybody. The airport sequence is the greatest cinematic comic book fight ever. You just can't... It's really disappointing, as I said before. You just... It's going to be very difficult for the upcoming X-Men Apocalypse really to find a way to make it better. Because you do have very comic booky things with some of their interactions, but it's all clean. It's all done in a way where you don't really have to work or you're not wondering what a certain character is doing, where they are in relation to other characters, and how they found a way for each team to kind of utilize their powers together use the strengths and the weaknesses of certain characters against the strengths and the strengths and weaknesses of other characters are very cool blend that you saw each team and each kind of powered couple uh, use within the overall huge action set piece at the airport you got giant man that was awesome you had spider-man showing up everywhere and then with um, him kind of defeating bucky and sam wilson the falcon that was awesome as well and then you have falcon saying i hate you to bucky like that was awesome you had the comedy you have cool action you have cool character moments within that as well giant man being literally the coolest thing i've ever seen in a comic book thing because you have spider-man saying hey guys remember the that old movie empire strikes back a little hilarious thing because disney's the only people that can do that because they own marvel as well as star wars you kind of can't have any other comic book franchise saying hey remember star wars because uh Disney have the have the keys to that kingdom, but the character relationships, that's the biggest thing within within this film that has to work, is that you really have to feel that relationship between Tony Stark and Iron Man, Tony Stark and Iron Man, you have to really feel the relationship between Tony Stark and Captain America, but as much as it was Team Cap, Team, uh, Team Iron Man, the film really is about the relationship that was a, that was a continuation, sort of a conclusion to the one that started within the, the Captain America Winter Soldier, how it's Bucky and Captain America. That relationship is so key. If that doesn't work, if you don't believe it, if it's not done in a right way, then it really just doesn't matter because so much about this film is about friendship. It's about how you believe you know, your friend is innocent when everybody else in the world is saying, no, he's the bad guy. He's the one that did this bad stuff. So in their, in this film that has the biggest cast of characters in a Marvel film, the film found a way to give every single character their own little moment. No matter how big, no matter how small, everyone had their own moment in the, to shine in the sun. Whether you're an Ant-Man fan, you got to have Giant Man. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you got to have the, the pretty cool Spider-Man sequences within the action thing as well. I mean, everyone got their own moment. If you're a Hawkeye fan, you got to have Hawkeye and, and Ant-Man. That little team up, that was a straight, straight, just copy and paste from the panels of the comics. So the juggling act of the film, they go all over the world, several action set pieces, various plots and subplots, introducing a couple of key characters, setting up future films, nodding to the comics, keeping the look and feel of the MCU, and they found a way to make it look so easy. I mean, that's the biggest compliment I can give this film is that there wasn't anything that stuck out. Usually the more balls that you juggle in the air, the harder it looks, but with Civil War, nothing looked out of place. And you're only strong as your weakest link. And in Civil War, the, the leak the weak link just wasn't there. Civil War found a way to, to go from strength to strength during its two and a half hour runtime. 
But the best thing about this film, and there are a lot of good things about this film, but there's one thing that's the best thing about this film, and that is the costume of Vision when he's not in his super suit. He's wearing an ascot. He's wearing a sweater. He looks like the coolest thing, and his costume and his clothing and style choice was the best thing in this film for Marvel. The next film is coming out November 4th later this year. It's Doctor Strange. And that's going to be interesting as well. How do we introduce magic to a world that um, doesn't have magic in it anywhere else? So Doctor Strange, another key character, similar to Black Panther comic books. They're a big dude, very powerful. How do we introduce him and potentially tease Thanos for the upcoming Infinity War, which now is not going to be called Infinity War Part 1, Infinity Part 2. It's probably going to be called something else like I think the first one maybe is going to be called Infinity Gauntlet, and then the second one's going to be Infinity War or War for Infinity, some lame title. It's going to have the word Infinity in both of them. So that's my quick sprint, or not very quick sprint. It's like 25 minutes long, but that's my review for Captain America. Give it a grade. It's going to be an A. The film's awesome. If you want to see it, see it twice in theaters. You probably saw it twice in theaters because this film made north of $180 million over the course of its first weekend. I kind of thought it was going to make $200 million. That would have been pretty cool. But for Marvel, Captain America Civil War, it was awesome. And for everybody else, it was very frustrating if you're another film studio that's trying to create a cinematic universe. The best thing, I know we talked about best things before with Vision, but another really cool thing was if you saw the Star Wars Rogue One that trailer on the big screen really made me pee a little in my pants because it was just too cool for school. But that's it. This has been another episode of the View from the Couch podcast. Thanks for listening.